you know, I'd venture to say that trust in its many forms is really the foundation for everything else at work, and it can make or break the success of individuals and and a company. Um, I think a healthy workplace and a positive employee experience really depend on a trusting environment, and that trusting environment breeds psychological safety. A psychologically safe environment is one where folks feel like they can come and share ideas and they're not going to get shot down. They feel like they can uh, air complaints or grievances, perhaps, and they're not going to get fired. Good morning, HR. I'm Mike Coffey, and this is the podcast where I talk to business leaders about bringing people together to create value for shareholders, customers, and the community. Please follow, rate, and review Good Morning HR on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook or at goodmorninghr.com. Do employers have responsibilities to employees beyond the explicit terms and conditions of employment and whatever regulatory or statutory requirements there may be? And if there is some implicit or unstated agreement between employees and employers, how can leaders ensure that they uphold their side of the agreement whose details may be not fully understood by all the parties? My guest today is Julie Devlin. Julie is a senior partner at UKG's Human Capital Management Advisory, a regular blogger on topics regarding the intersection of people and technology in the workplace, and host, along with Chaz Fields, of the People Purpose podcast. Thanks for joining us today, Julie. Thank you so much for being here, Mike. I am super excited to be here and uh, always love to support other podcasts as well. So uh, good morning to you and uh, let's let's do this thing. Thanks. So last fall in a blog on the Kronos website, you described the psychological contract as the exchange relationship between the organization and their people. So that's more than just the obvious transaction of the employee comes to work and the employer pays them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's way way more than that. Um, You know, at its simplest form, the psychological contract is that exchange relationship when it comes to pay. You know, all of us, we wouldn't be working if we didn't get a paycheck. Uh, That's a given. Uh, But really what we're talking about with the psychological contract is much deeper. Uh, We're talking about mutual expectations between employees and employers from many, many, many different angles. So, it concerns a lot of fairness. It concerns a lot of balance. It concerns a lot of what promises are being made on both sides and are those promises being upheld. So not just about money. Of course, it, it's about money, but it's also about things like flexible work environments. It's about things like benefits. It's about things like providing a good manager for employees. So it goes much, much deeper than that. So, but are a lot of these terms and the psychological contract unstated? Are they just things that employees or employers assume the other party knows? Yeah, these are unstated. So the thing about the psychological contract and what makes it so sort of uh, challenging maybe for HR professionals and also for for managers and anybody in the business of people uh, is that it's unwritten. So it's not something you can look at. It's not something you can see and say, oh, these are the terms of the agreement that we've set out. Nope, it's dynamic. It, you, you can't see it. You have to uh, constantly uh, recognize that it's, it's unstable and it's changing. And it changes based upon uh, different circumstances. So let's say, for example, 
a global pandemic. Uh, you know, what, before the pandemic, there were certain expectations that maybe employers had of their employees that maybe now those expectations are a little bit different and vice versa. And really, it's unique to each person as well. So um, I, I, it, it's, it's just this imprecise and implicit and unstable and dynamic relationship that employees have with employers and employers have with employees. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's a, a negative thing, right? I mean, it's a matter of making sure that we as, uh, as employers and human resources professionals, that we are not over-promising uh, things to folks and making sure that uh, we're we are uh, being truthful with them and transparent with them. So that way they don't feel that lack of trust. Really, that's what it boils down to. So if I'm if I'm an employer and mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure this out, um, what are am I am I looking at like employee engagement scores, production numbers, things like that to see if we're getting what we need out of the organization and out of, out of our workforce as an organization and things like retention? I mean, what how do I know if. I'm living up to that contract or not. Yeah. Well, this is where, you know, analytics and data management and uh, HCM systems and the kind of data that you collect becomes really, really important because we need to make sure that we're keeping a pulse on what's going on with our organization. A lot of times employers think that they know the expectations of their employees. But my question I would challenge to those who say, oh, yeah, I know what my employees want. I would challenge you and I would say, how do you know that? Do you know that because that's what you think? Do you know that because that's what someone told you? But look at the collective. If you look at the collective employee group, you know, to know each individual's expectations, it's it's very difficult to do because again, that those expectations are dynamic and they change. But yes, looking at things like retention data, um, looking at retention by manager is very important as well. Uh, doing things like exit interviews <laughs> um, and uh, looking at uh, the reasons that folks may be leaving. You know, you can also look at productivity. And let's say you have uh, you have metrics that show that your your workforce's productivity has was really really high for a certain period of time, and then you've seen that steady decline. You need to ask yourself why is that decline happening? Is it happening because of circumstances that? you as the employer have put into place? Is it societal circumstances? Is it time of year? I mean, there's lots and lots of different things that you can look at, but the fact of the matter is it's important that uh, employers actually do look at that information and have some sort of regular cadence with reporting. You mentioned exit interviews. Um, I'm a big, and for a long time, I've been a big advocate of stay interviews, sitting the employees down and saying, why the hell do you still get up and come to work every morning? And um, I assume that that would be a really good data source too to find out what engages your best employees, what gets them there, and why they why they see meaning in what they do. Yeah, I'm a big fan of stay interviews as well. So my background in HR of 17 years as a VP, if there's one thing, well, there's several things. As you look back, you say, "Oh, I wish I would have done that different. I wish I would have done that better." You know, hindsight's of course 2020, but. Um, I wish I would have had a, a more of a, a stay interview program uh, or something that where I would say to managers, look, you need to do one of these for XYZ tenured employees, you know, every certain amount of months, right? Because that information that you can gain from the folks who have been in your organization for a longer period of time 
is so incredibly valuable. I call feedback the currency of HR. I think that HR can use feedback that you get from employees in so many meaningful ways that we probably don't always take advantage of. And that's not to say that it's our fault. We're busy people, right? I mean, HR, it's, it's, you have to get through the day. That's what we're trying to do. And oftentimes it's hard to have that future focus. But having that future focus, I think, is something that we as a profession really need to look at and we need to, uh, to train our eyes towards the future more. Understanding that the present is important. So, yeah, um, that's what I would say. <laughs> it's a lot to think about. You, you mentioned how the pandemic has changed it some. Can you dive a little deeper into what you've seen in, in that, that psycholo- psychological contract between employers and employees over the last 18 months and how that's morphed? Yeah, you know, some of the goals that were set for folks prior to the pandemic, those goals may have changed Um, I'm talking about performance management goals. And, you know, if you have employers who aren't taking a look at those things and recognizing that our world has changed, our world for in in every way, it really has Um, things that people value, the people's time. um, I mean, there's so many different dynamics that have come into play. And the pandemic has really opened the eyes of a lot of people as to what is and is not important to them. And what what I've seen is that a lot of companies at the beginning of the pandemic were much more empathetic and sympathetic to employees' situations. But as time, as time has gone on, it's sort of like, okay, well, we're all in this together. So, you know, just get, get to work and do your job, you know? I mean, and have I seen buck that? At, yeah. yeah, buck up, right. Yeah, sorry about the global pandemic, just work. You know, I mean- it's, it's, it, I, I say that in jest, but it, it's, it's, um, it's something that I don't see at every organization, but the successful organizations will keep changing with their employees and recognize that there are, it, this is a dynamic and unstable situation, just like the psychological contract. The pandemic that we're all in is dynamic and unstable. And the other thing that we really need to remember when it comes to the pandemic is that all of us are in the same boat, but we're not in the same kind of boat, right? Some of us are in a yacht. Some of us might be in a speedboat. Some of us might be in a dinghy. And then some of us might be in the water holding on to a piece of wood, right? Just to stay afloat. And there have been times where I felt like I was on the SS Minnow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I had, I, I, I used that line in a speech um, or I used that in a speech a couple weeks ago. And the lady said, I think that uh, we were on the Titanic. (laughs) I was like, Oh gosh, that's not good. Iceberg straight ahead. But you know, uh, I think um, I think just employers need to recognize that this this concept of empathetic leadership is something that employees are going to continue to expect moving forward. And if they were given that at the beginning of the pandemic, and they are now sort of not given that uh, flexibility anymore, or maybe the benefit of the doubt anymore. They're going to say, well, why did you do that then? But how come not, you're not doing that now? You know, we're still in the pandemic, you know, and, and, and things again, you know, it's like with the pandemic, you, you had a period of time where things seemed to be sort of getting more stable, dare I say. <laughs> and then all right. of a sudden, all of a sudden you have the Delta variant that has completely just thrown a wrench into everything. So there were a lot of employers who said, Hey, yeah, you know, we want you all to come back to the office by Labor Day. Well, (laughs) 
that that was part of the expectation that employers had. But see, circumstances have now changed. You know, people may not feel as safe anymore. So again, it's these things that employers need to make sure that we're taking a look at to understand, you know, what it is that's on top of mind of our employees. And let's take a quick break. Good Morning HR is brought to you by Imperative, premium background checks with fast and friendly service. If you're an HRCI or SHRM certified professional, this episode of Good Morning HR has been pre-approved for one half hour of recertification credit. To obtain the recertification information, visit goodmorninghr.com and click on Research Credits. Then select episode four and enter the keyword Devlin. D-E-V-E-L-I-N. On Thursday, September 9th, I'll be hosting a webinar entitled Using Organizational Values as a Planning and Accountability Tool. This webinar is approved for one professional development credit for SHRM certified professionals and one hour of business recertification credit for HRCI certified professionals. You can register for this free webinar at imperativeinfo.com. And if you're listening to this program after September 9th, you can still watch the recorded webinar on our website for credit. And now back to my conversation with Julie Devlin. So you mentioned safety, feeling safe at work uh, and, you know, physically safe and, you know, in a healthy environment, all the basic OSHA standard duty kind of things. And um, what about psychological safety? We hear a lot about that. And I don't think, I think a lot of managers are, especially, I hate the term manager, you know, manager when you're talking about people, I, I, I prefer leaders, but most of the people who are in management roles aren't leaders. So we're not there yet. But I think a lot of managers hear that term psychological safety and they either started thinking okay i've got to start catering to all the snowflakes or um or they think that you know i don't i don't have that background i don't know how to give somebody you know either they they thrive or they don't and i'll find somebody else who 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 will thrive if they don't so talk about psychological safety and maybe a way that managers can understand that Okay. Note to self, don't use manager anymore yeah. on the podcast. Use leader. Okay. Well, um, if, if we're talking about leaders. I mean, yeah. If we're talking about, no, but what you just said actually makes a lot of sense and um, not in a good way, right? Most managers are not leaders. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I think when we're talking about psychological safety, that is a definite part of the psychological contract. We need to make sure that as an, as organizations, that as organizations, that everyone's on the same page and they're clear about what the definition of trust is at their organization. So trust means may, may mean something different to everyone, uh, to, to each organization. Um, and, you know, it may be, mean something different to each man or each leader, sorry, um, or maybe not leader, depending. Um, but, you know, I'd venture to say that trust in its many forms is really the foundation for everything else at work, and it can make or break the success of individuals and, and a company. Um, I think a healthy workplace and a positive employee experience really depend on a trusting environment, and that trusting environment breeds psychological safety. A psychologically safe environment is one where folks feel like they can come and share ideas, and they're not going to get shot down. They feel like they can uh, air complaints or grievances, perhaps, and they're not going to get fired, <laughs> right? So as organizations and as, as people leaders, we need to make sure that we're allowing folks that, um, uh, that space, that space to do that. And, 
you know, I, I hear so often uh, from individuals who say, oh, yeah, well, this is what I thought, but I just didn't think that I could tell anybody. You know, and I, my question is, well, why? Why couldn't you go and, and tell somebody? You know, there's so many different layers to that um, when it comes to psychological safety. But, you know, another thing is the fact that there are a lot of, of people managers who don't verbally communicate anymore. They'll do all of their communication via electronics via text messages. I remember when I was a practitioner, I used to have, uh, I used to have managers come to me and say, oh, you know, I'm, uh, you know, so-and-so and I are having an argument. I said, oh, well, when's the last time you actually spoke? Oh, we haven't spoken. Um, we, we've just been texting. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Okay. So basically what you're saying is that you're having a text argument. So, you know, when it comes to text messages, I don't, I guess it goes without saying, you as the receiver of that message, you're going to take that information and it's going to be processed in your mind. <laughs> However you process it. it may not be as the other person intended it, you know, so that causes a lot of problems. Um, so again, you know, psychologically safe environment also has to do with things like safety, um, physical safety, for sure. Making sure that uh, you're following all local regulations um, that, if folks ask for tools to keep them safe, be that tech tools, be it physical tools, you know, I mean, we need to make sure that we're listening to them and providing them the, what they need in order to feel safe. Otherwise, they're going to find a job somewhere else. Right. And it really goes beyond just the ADA kind of uh, considerations. I mean, we're really, I think you're talking about, hey, I as a leader may think that's really not an accommodation. This is not something that is really going to help, you know, this person, if they had a proper perspective about the risk of getting COVID at their age and their health thing and all that. I've heard that, I've had that conversation with a lot of our, our clients. So, you know, they're like, you know, some of these people are just nervous nillies and they're going to, they're going to worry about everything. And if I start, and I'm like, what's it really going to cost you not to do this? I mean, you know, what's it going to cost you to do this, to have extra sanitizer or to space people or to let the occasional employee stagger their work uh, time so that they're doing some hybrid thing. That's if it, if it, the bottom line is you need productivity out of these employees. And so what it takes to get that productivity in a way that is healthy for the organization and, and healthy for the employee, if that's what it takes, just why not just do it? But I think a lot, a lot of times uh, we have managers whose, whose perspective is, uh, you know, how do I maximize the lowest cost per employee? And, and, and the most efficiency I can get is having every, everybody put tab A and slot A the same way all day long. Right. And again, not everybody fits into those those boxes that we wish that they would fit into. And especially now, uh, considering that all of our circumstances has have changed in so many different ways. So UKG is a technology company. So talk about how technology can help uh, or maybe even hinder uh, the effectiveness of, of how we execute the psychological contract. Yeah. Uh, well, it, sh it sort of goes without saying that, that tech can help with, uh, with communi the communication piece. Uh, it can help with connection. It can help with belonging. Uh, it's, you know, tech provides us a hub to feel like we're part of a team when we're remote, right? So there's always, a, there's a certain place that you can go. I know that when I, when I, uh, 
go to work. You know, I work remotely. I travel a lot, but I work remotely. And when I go to work, I log on to our company system. And that's where I feel connected to my coworkers, where I can have conversations, where I can have video calls. Um, you know, tech, again, it also get what we were talking about earlier, gives us insight into the sentiments and into what's going on in our organizations. You know, so many of us have dispersed workforces, uh, you know, in HR. And I used to, I was in a dispersed workforce. It's very difficult to understand the sentiments and the feelings of all of your employees. There's, there's AI tools now that you can utilize and you can, you know, they can look at keywords and uh, it can sort of spit out a report and say, okay, these are the keywords that we're seeing, you know, in the tech system right now. I mean, there's so many different ways. I think that um, we need to get creative with our tech as well, um, you know, in terms of uh, utilizing it to foster that sense of, of, of camaraderie uh, that we've lost. A lot of us have, a lot of us feel like we've lost some of that. You know, it's it goes beyond having that foosball table in the break room, right? right. Uh, it's no longer that's no longer how it is. Now it's okay. Do you have great video software so you can easily uh, connect with people? Do you have a reliable platform that you can use? Or do you trust the data that's in your platform? I mean, so many different ways. But um, you know, I just think that technology can help us to ensure that we have the tools that we need in order to do our jobs effectively. And it can help us to ensure that employees have the, have the tools they need. Now, it's important also to make sure that we're keeping a pulse on whether or not those tools are still serving people in the way that we intend them to. Um, I, think that, <laughs> I think that having a check-in with employees every once in a while, perhaps surveying different departments, Hey, how is your technology, uh, you know, looking at technology usage, uh, seeing, you know, what systems are being used, what systems are not being used. All of the, if we're asking folks to do a job for us, uh, if they're spending time away from their family, if they're, they're putting in the work for our organization, we want to make sure that we're taking care of them. And that's definitely part of the psychological contract. What about times where technology has been poorly used. I, I've seen, you know, we, we all, a lot of us went remote last March and mm -hmm. stumbled around. Uh, you're still on mute with Zoom <laughs> and all of those kinds of things for a while. But can we, we use, how can we use, if we, what are the risks of using technology the wrong way? Or what are some ways you've seen companies uh, kind of stumble there? Well, some ways that you can use technology the wrong way and what I've seen companies do uh, is where it's piecemealed. So here's what I mean by that. So you may have dozens of different departments and each one of those departments, they have several different leaders or managers who manage people. Um, and you have a performance management uh, plan and they're supposed to do performance reviews at a certain cadence. And what you what you may have is you may have only some managers doing that. You may have some managers who don't do that. So you have employees who are talking to each other and saying, oh, well, yeah, I just got my performance review. And then you have another employee say, oh, I haven't had a performance review in two years. Right. So making sure that I think that's a definite way that tech can can hurt uh, because employees have that fear of missing out if they are not getting the same experience that their coworkers are getting. Um, so you know, we need to keep all our employees in silos. 
<laughs> where they don't, they're not allowed to talk to each other. Is that? Well, no, 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 no. Well, <laughs> no, but you know, I, I think that we need to make sure that we're being consistent in the application of our policies and procedures. So that way everybody's getting an experience that they deserve. That's what I would say. And by doing that, we're upholding that psychological contract of what employees expect from their employer, especially in a modern environment. But, you know, so tech can, I think what you're saying is, oh, go ahead. Well, I no, think no, what no, you're you, saying you. Is, is, is something I said earlier, or so I said in a, uh, a previous uh, blog post, was that if you, if you had a good organization with real leaders and good people management processes, going hybrid really wasn't going to make a big difference, uh, or even going fully remote, uh, because you understood what incentivized your folks, you understood what they needed to be successful, you had a process already in place where you were checking in with people and making sure that all the things that needed to happen for, for them to be successful and all the tools they had were right there. It's the group, it's the organizations that manage by walking around or what are you working on right now or lived by status reports. And this was, you know, it was, you know, where are you on your progress, which is really key, but not touching back with what do you need to, to be successful and putting it all on the employee. Those are the ones who, you know, when they managed hands-on all the time, those are the ones who, in, in my experience over the last 18 months, had the most problem going remote. So it doesn't really matter. I think what you're saying is technology is technology. And either we, uh, we use it to help people be successful or we, uh, you know, but it's, it, it goes back to the leadership styles and, and how people feel about the work that they are actually doing. It really makes a difference. Yeah, this was a bad time for micromanagers. Yeah. Um, those folks who always were looking over someone's shoulder uh, or making, you know, constantly uh, wanting to know where people were. I've heard horror stories uh, from folks that I've come in contact with where at the beginning of the pandemic, where this remote work was new, they, they would have managers who would ask them to be on camera the entire day. Oh wow! I'm thinking. I'm thinking to myself, wh why? <laughs> what? What do you want? You want to see me sitting here at my computer typing away? I mean, that's micromanagement to uh, to an extreme. And what it's saying, and it sort of goes back to what I was speaking of earlier. It's that trust factor. Um, you know, if we if we hire someone and we continue to employ them, we need to recognize that means that we're telling them that we trust them to do a job. Right. So why are we not trusting them to do the job then? That becomes the question. Um, there's no there should be no need for micromanagement uh, in this day and age, in my opinion. Now, uh, UKG's got a variety of products for for, uh, for organizations of all sizes. For the small to medium size organization that's maybe using what was UltiPro, I'm not even sure what you call that now, but it's I've got clients on it. and They love it. Um, the. Um, but you know, who may not have that that level of data and technology? What if they wanted to get into say, okay, what can I? You know, we're using a chat function for our daily interactions with one another because we're a lot of us are remote. Um, what AI tools would you point somebody to? Uh, you know, what kind of things would be initial? You know, if I wanted to get into some of that and and kind of take the pulse of the organization in a new way, where would you have a start? Survey tools for sure. Um, making sure that we're not being reactive when it comes to surveys, but we're being proactive. So what I mean by that is oftentimes folks will uh, deliver a survey to their employees, but it'll be too late. So they'll deliver that survey because they already see a problem. <laughs> so the fact the the uh, the idea is to 
make sure or is to try to uh, get get in touch with what's going on before that problem happens. Uh, it's almost almost like maintenance, right? Continually. Uh, so I would definitely say survey tools. And then again, you know, those survey tools, when it comes to AI, the, uh, the software, you know, UKG software, other software, there's lots of software out there um, that can take those responses. And again, you know, look at the sentiments and look at what's going on and, and spit it out and say, okay, you know, here are the keywords, here are the amount of negative keywords, here are the amount of positives. Here's how many times so-and-so's name was mentioned or, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, in a positive way or a negative way. So, you know, it doesn't have to be, I think a lot of times when it comes to AI and HR, a lot of times we think that it has to be an all or nothing approach. I think that we need to just take steps to make sure that that is the direction we're moving towards in the future, because it is the future. Um, the future is now. So, you know, with the AI tools, with the reporting tools, uh, so many companies, so many companies I come in contact with are still using manual processes. And I get it because I, I, I was once there. <laughs> I get it. Um, and a lot of times what we want to do in HR is stick with what makes us comfortable. But we need to recognize that while that may be comfortable for us, it's not moving the business forward. And we need to make sure that we're looking at ways that we can move the business forward by uh, staying on top of innovation, staying on top of technology, and making sure that we're providing that experience to employees that they're expecting. Yeah, I think uh, you're talking about the surveys about, you know, sometimes we're just trying to figure out, is this a dark gray elephant in the room or a light gray elephant in the room? We already There's already an elephant in the room, and we already know probably what we should do about it. But we're asking uh, to show we're concerned or that we're... Uh, you know, that we're empathetic to our employees' problems. Hey, we're going to send a survey out about this. But we are, you know, it's, I think it makes leaders look really naive and, and clueless when, when they ask about what they, you know, probably already have a pretty good sense of. But is, would you, how often, if you, if you don't have, you know, ongoing major issues and you want to do surveys just to take the pulse of an organization, how often would you do that? How much is too much? Yeah, well, too much would be monthly, maybe. I, I would say quarterly would be really good. Um, maybe quarterly, and then you have one towards the end of the year that's more robust, perhaps. Um, but here's the thing about the surveys. You know, we can put surveys out there, but if we don't do something with the feedback that we receive, then employees aren't going to be trusted, aren't going to trust us with their thoughts, moving forward. So we have to make sure that the information that we receive is, is uh, we're taking action. I think a lot of times in HR, we spend a lot of time thinking and, and sort of hoping and saying, oh, this, this should change, but we don't, we don't spend a lot of time doing. So actually doing is important uh, and taking the, that feedback, that currency of HR that I call it, um, and, uh, and, and using that for process improvement and to improve the employee experience and thus upholding the employer's end of that psychological contract. And I think a lot of employers, the easy part is sending the survey out. But most HR folks I know right now are, as far as their workload, they're drinking from a fire hose. And yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's a world different than it was 12 months ago. And so maybe if you know you don't have the bandwidth to address new projects and uh, you, know, you should make sure you're focusing on 
questions that you can respond to the answers to right now, rather than just something global. And you set an expectation by asking the question, right? And uh, it's something really large and a giant project. Maybe that's a 2022, 2023 project, and maybe we should hold off and we should focus on things we can control right now. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. Again, I think that's unique to all, to each organization, you know, where you are. I think you have to just really make sure that you're understanding where you are as an organization and what what the future, what you want the future to look like. I think if there's something that we've all learned during the pandemic, it's that none of us have any idea what's going to be what's going to happen in the future if somebody asked you five years ago where would you be five years from now i don't think any of us would have said we're going to be in the middle of a global pandemic i so. was supposed to be on a beach someplace <laughs> by now so it hadn't happened <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's been it's been quite a whirlwind but hey that's job security for us in hr right there you go. yeah <laughs> one last question about technology and people yeah zoom meetings cameras on <laughs> or cameras off <laughs> oh gosh, why in HR? I want to say, oh, it depends. I think that it should be a an individual choice. I think that there are certain times when cameras on is a is a good thing. I think when we're having conversations that might be contentious or if we're having conversations that might we might deem more important than others, seeing someone's facial expressions, seeing knowing that they're physically there, there's definitely something to that. Um, but you know, not everybody likes being on camera. You know, we weren't built to see ourselves on screen all day. That's not what we have ever been used to. Uh, I know that I, I've certainly gotten used to it, but there are some people that haven't, and that's okay. So. I think the most important part is to set expectations at the beginning so there's no ambiguity about it. So that way, you know, recognizing that we tell people, that managers, that leaders tell people, hey, you know, tell teams, just want you all to know that being on video for this meeting is optional. Or for this meeting, we're going to need you to be on video because X, Y, and Z. Explaining the whys behind the do's, it's going to help uphold that psychological contract when it comes to expectations. Uh, that's great. Uh, and we'll have to leave it there. Julie Devlin is a senior partner at UKG's HCM Advisory, and her contact information can be found in the show notes. Thanks again, Julie. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. You can find previous episodes, show notes, and contact info for our guests at goodmorninghr.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Rob Upchurch is our technical producer and Imperatives Marketing Coordinator Katie Bautista keeps the trains running on time. And I'm Mike Coffey. As always, don't hesitate to reach out if I can be of any service to you professionally or personally. I'll see you next week. And until then, be well, keep your chin up.